Hey, good evening. I, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's weird being gone two weekends, which I was. I don't know if you noticed, but I was gone two weekends. And, you know, it's interesting. I, every day, honestly, honestly, there's just this longing that builds up for me to see you guys. It's crazy. And I just could not wait all week for 5 o'clock Saturday to get here. I just really wanted to see you guys. I couldn't wait to preach. I couldn't wait to be with you guys. I just, I long to be with you guys. You've loved me and my family so well. And um, I'm just so grateful for each and every one of you. Thank you for being here. Um, I wonder, I wonder in the last seven days, if you were here last Saturday, in the last seven days, I wonder um, what it's been like between you and, between you and God. Maybe you've uh, listened to some worship music. Maybe you've read. Maybe you've listened to a sermon. Maybe you've done a lot of things. But what I would like to know and you don't have to tell me, is if you've had an encounter with God. Did you have an encounter with God sometime this week? Because he invites us to do that. We have access to the throne room of the Almighty. And I hope and pray that you expect every week, every day, to have an encounter with God. It'll change your life, as I'm sure it already has, and it'll continue to do so until we breathe our last, that you wake up with the expectation to have an encounter with God, that you come to church to be with your brothers and sisters in Christ, which we don't get to do all week, for this one moment of time that we can have an encounter with the Almighty collectively. It blesses Him and it blesses each other. At men's breakfast on Wednesday morning, I told the men I really missed them, and many of them said, oh, you were gone? (laughs) I presume they were teasing. Um, Thank you, Pastor Doug um, and Pastor Rob, for filling in the last two weeks. Yeah. Don't get any ideas. This is still my turf. Anyway. um, Yeah, it's fun to to do different stuff. I was in Texas two weekends ago and at men's retreat last week. I won't get into all the silliness that took place at men's retreat, but my favorite part was uh, uh, Rob Schatz uh, decided to sleep in his truck on Saturday night. He thought he'd get a better night's rest than, you know, 100-year-old bunks at a camp. And... um, Sean Gingras and Daniel Sorrentino duct taped him into his truck. (laughs) To which I said to Sean on Sunday morning, I said, where did you get the duct tape? And he goes, oh, I brought it. (laughs) This is premeditated duct taping is what I'm getting at. It was fantastic. Let me tell you a couple things. Again, I just want to say thank you to Pastor Doug and Pastor Rob. Uh, two weeks ago in Heath, we we had our first kind of a meeting gathering. It was on a Sunday. uh, uh, Um at the Pacific Columns building there in Heath, and we just had an amazing time of, of worship and a little teaching, and we had a chance to pray over uh, the, the folks that are making up this church, and we had a chance to let them pray over my wife and I, which was just really a sweet time, and we kind of rolled out what the plan's going to look like over the next 6, 9, 12 months, and, and then, of course, because we do food well here, we had to do food well there, and, uh, and we did. Uh, you guys have set the bar high here, the kitchen crew, and so we wanted to make sure we did food well and and um, we let them know, my wife especially, just how many people here are praying for them and praying for that church. And it just brought tears. To everyone in that room to know that um, literally hundreds of people are praying for them and they're just so grateful. So I extend their gratitude to you. Thank you for doing that. Please keep praying. In mid-October is when we're really going to kind of launch things. We're going to meet every Tuesday night and 
um, starting in October. And, and, um, and then maybe six to seven, eight months down the road, start doing like a once a month Sunday evening service. And then maybe next fall, about a year from now, actually launch a Sunday morning. And so there's a lot of work to be done. So keep praying uh, for that. We're, there's a place to go on our website where you can click on something. I, I saw it somewhere. It says Heath something, church plant something. And you can go there and there's, a, there's a, just some things about some information, things to be praying for, frequently asked questions. And we're going to keep building that. As you guys have been asking me, I'm just going to say, go to the website. Uh, it'll know more than me, as most things do. Um, yeah, so we'll just keep updating things on our website. And then next week... Um, if you're not here next week, that's okay, but follow up if you can. But we're going to let you know how you can partner. Different ways you can partner with those in Heath, Texas, through prayer and through finances and other things. Um, so we're going to have a, a, a sheet for you to do that that will just be in your bulletin, and you can drop it off and just say, yeah, look, I, I'll, I'm willing to pray. I'm willing to do this. I'm willing to do, to do, that, to do that. So um, if you're not here, make sure you follow up and email the church office or or Jenny or Christina, and uh, we'll let you know what you can do. So many of you have asked, and, and so we just wanted to let you know that we've been working on it, and, and it's all c- coming together. So we'll have something by next weekend. I think I'm done. I forgot I was preaching this weekend, so I just threw something together. I hope it works. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Pastor Rob came into my office. He always comes in to pray with me on Saturday nights, and he says something about, are you ready? And I'm like, is that this weekend? He looked at me, I'm like, just kidding. One pastor, one pastor tells this story. He says, one morning I got up at 3.30 in the morning and I decided not to turn on the light. Now there is a light right next to me, but I decided not to turn on the light. I figured that I knew my bedroom, I, I knew where things were, so I decided not to turn on the light. I figured I could make my own way in the darkness, so I decided not to turn on the light. However, in the middle of the floor were some shoes that I had left out the night before. So there they were in the middle of the floor, and because I had decided not to turn on the light, I did not see them sitting there. As far as I was concerned, there were no shoes in the middle of the floor, and and I was just fine. I knew exactly how many steps to take before I needed to turn right. I knew my room, and I had been living there for many years. A moment later, as I tried to pick myself up from the floor after stumbling, tripping, and doing James Brown all over the carpet, I was reminded that... When things are dark, you don't see things as they really are. You may think you're okay when you're not okay. You may think you're fine when you're not fine. You may think you know what you're doing when you don't know what you are doing. And all this because you're trying to do your thing in the dark. It would have just, if I would have just decided to turn on the light, I, I wouldn't have had to go through all those issues. I wouldn't have had to face all those problems because the light would have revealed that something was wrong in the middle of the floor. You get where this is going. Too many of us too often are walking in darkness and all we've got to do is continue to have our encounters with the Lord and turn on the light. And we keep tripping and we keep tripping and we keep tripping and God says, just turn on the light. Just turn on the light. Just turn on the light. Every day. Every moment of every day. Turn on the light. We're in Ephesians chapter 5. And we're in verses 6 through 14. Nine verses. Action-packed verses. Let's read those. Then I'm going to give you the outline. And then we're going to pray. 
Matthew, I'm sorry, Ephesians 5, verses 6 through 14. Ephesians 5, 6 through 14. You guys ready? You know, it's so funny. I was literally walking down here about five minutes to five, and I'm walking down the stairwell over here, and I can feel my knees shaking. I was so nervous. When you don't preach for a while, it's just kind of weird. It's like, I hope I remember what to do. We'll see. Matthew 5, starting in verse 6. Did I say Matthew again? See what I mean? I don't even have a reference verse from Matthew tonight. That's so weird. Ephesians 5, starting at verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and all righteousness and all truth. Trying to learn, church, what is pleasing to our God. Don't participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light, for everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason, Scripture says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, And our Almighty God, Christ Jesus our Lord, will shine on you. Amen? Here's our outline for how we're going to break down these verses. The first four verses, verses 6 through 9, is we're not to partake. We're not to partake. And there's three D words that are mentioned here. Deception, disobedience, and darkness. We're not to partake in deception, disobedience, and darkness. And yet many of us have to fight that every day, don't we? And then verse 10, I just love it. It's it's really the centerpiece. There's nine verses, and it's smack dab in the middle of our nine verses, is this command to learn what is pleasing to our God. Do you know what is pleasing to God? And then the last four verses, to live to provoke. Mm, I'll unpack that in a little bit. To learn to provoke one another. Let's pray. Almighty God, we humble ourselves before You, recognizing, Lord, that we are a fallen, sinful, having walked in darkness sort of people. And You said for us to awaken and to arise and that You will shine upon us when we put our faith, hope, and trust in Christ. And so we've done that. And so you began our sanctification process and we need you now more than ever, Holy Spirit, to help us continue to walk in the light and to shun darkness and disobedience and deception so that we indeed could learn what is pleasing to you. So have your way with us, we pray in the mighty name of Christ. And everybody said, Amen. Man, is it good to be here with you guys. I love doing this. I just can't get enough. Thank you so very, very much. So our first stanza, do not partake. Let's read those verses again. Ephesians 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Let no one deceive you. It's interesting, right? Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon sons of disobedience when we've been deceived. Therefore, don't partake with them. You were formerly darkness, but you're not that no more. Now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of light. 
And the fruit of the light is goodness, righteousness, and truth. I want to reread. Focus your attention back on 7 and 8. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were formerly one way, darkened, dar- in darkness, but now you're a different way. You are light. So walk as children of light. I'm not certain, or you can say I'm uncertain, same thing, right? I'm uncertain which is harder for you, which is harder for me, or for most people. The difficulty of the process in coming to Christ or the difficulty of the process in following Christ? I don't know. I don't know. I think they're both difficult. The difficulty of the process in coming to Christ or the difficulty of the process in following Christ. But suffice it to say that each of us, listen, each of us makes choices every single day when it comes to either our salvation or our sanctification. Every day. Every choice we make has an impact upon our lives and often the lives of others. For good, for bad, for better, for worse, small implications and huge implications, some that have a mild tremor and others that are like a massive earthquake, decisions that we make. Church, beloved, saints, Christians, what these verses reveal to us is this, is that you and I make a choice all day, every day. You and I make a choice all day, every day. We make choices all day, every day. Whether we will walk in darkness, darkness, those things that grieve the heart of God. Darkness, those things that Scripture refers to as acts of disobedience. Darkness, those things that are not pleasing to God. We can make those choices or we can choose whether we will walk in light. We can choose whether we're going to walk in darkness or we can choose whether we're going to walk in the light. Light, those things that warmly touch the heart of God. Light, those things that Scripture refers to as acts of obedience and living in the truth because we know that the truth sets us free. Light, those things that are indeed pleasing to our God. Because here's what happens. Too often, we believe somehow this lie that we're not the one that makes that choice in how we live for God, whether we live in light or whether we live in darkness. We believe a lie that we don't have a choice, and we have a choice. And Paul makes that very clear in this text. Paul unveils that this is simply not the case, this lie that we don't have a choice. Look at the three commands in our text for this evening. Look at verse 6. Let no one deceive you. You can either be deceived or you can let no one deceive you. He doesn't say try not to be deceived. He says you either let it happen or you don't let it happen. Let no one deceive you with empty words. And so, as a side note... As much as this verse warns us about empty words, then the opposite is that it encourages us about words with substance, substance, which is God's word. So if we're not to be deceived with empty words, we better know what empty words look like, and the only way we can is by knowing the words that have substance. Amen? Amen. This is what it means. Think that through a little, right? We have to think that through. The second command, right, so let no one deceive you. We either let that happen or we don't. Look at verse 7. 
<laughs> Therefore, do not be partakers. Don't partake. Don't let anyone deceive you, and don't be partakers of disobedience, of evil, of darkness. Let no one deceive you, and don't partake. You can either partake or you cannot partake. Paul wouldn't encourage us to do not partake unless we actually had the ability to not partake. Amen? And then we'll see the same thing in verse 11. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness. Let no one deceive you. Do not partake and do not participate in deeds of darkness. Paul takes away the lie. I couldn't help it. The devil made me do it. It's the weakness of my flesh. Oh, no, no. Don't let anyone deceive you. Do not partake. Do not participate. And here's what's interesting. Check out the, the, in those same verses, the progression. It says in verse 6, do not be, so we're being deceived by someone with empty words. We're being deceived by someone with empty words. In verse 7, it says we partake with someone in disobedience. So we're deceived by them, then we partake with them. And then in verse 11, we participate in deeds of darkness all by ourselves. Interesting, huh? being deceived by someone with empty words, then we partake with someone in disobedience, and then we participate all on our own in the unfruitful deeds of darkness. And then so additionally, these verses disclose to us the outcome of that progression. Empty words, partaking with, and then participating all by ourselves. And it says in verse 12 that it's disgraceful to God when that happens. It says in verse 6 that it brings the wrath of God and it says in verse 14 that it makes us dead to God. When we walk in darkness, it's disgraceful to our God. It brings the wrath of God and it makes us dead to God. And it all begins in verse 6 with the deception of empty words. All of that ugly stuff, deception of empty words. It just points back to our need, our desperate need to know God's Word so that we're not deceived with empty words, so that we don't partake with someone in disobedience, so that we don't participate in unfruitful deeds, so that our lives are not disgraceful and they don't bring the wrath of God and it doesn't make us dead to God. And so Paul further cements this position in verse 8. Look at verse 8. <laughs> He says, for you were, you were formerly darkness. That's what you were. That's what you were. But what does he say? But now you are. Not now you might be, or now someday you might, maybe will be. You were darkness, but now you are light. Christ did that just like that when we put our faith, hope, and trust in him. We were in darkness, and now we are light. That's what you were. This is who you are. Mm. And so we can, we can, we can, each and every one of us can walk as children of light because we are children of light. And we are no longer children of darkness. You were formerly darkness, but now you are. Our light. And so we don't have to partake and participate in darkness. It's a choice we make. So not only are we commanded to walk in the light, we're capable. 
We're not just commanded to walk in the light. We're capable. We are capable. Amen? And we're told what that will look like when we do. Our lives will be marked by the three things that are listed in verse 9. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Do those words describe you? They should. Because you were formerly darkness, now you're in the light. Walk as children of light, and the light consists of goodness and righteousness and truth. So keep on keeping on as you develop goodness and righteousness and truth. Let's look at our second stanza that we have to learn to please our Lord in verse 10. It says, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Church, you and I are to be pleasing to God. You and I are to be pleasing to the Lord. You and I are to be pleasing to God. Raise your hand if you've figured out what it means to be pleasing to God in its entirety. But we know more perhaps now than we did last month or last year or a decade ago, right? Let me ask you this. How much confidence on one hand or concern on the other do you have in this matter of being pleasing to God? Do you, are you in this camp that I'm confident that I'm being pleasing to God? I'm in that camp. And I'm still growing. I've got a long way to go. Or do you have a concern that you might not be pleasing to God? Right? Do you have a confidence? Or do you have a concern about how pleasing you are to God? So I ask you, who, who shares with you and confirms you in your confidence? Who knows about this with you? We, 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 we try to do this thing on our own. And it's just bad. We need to be in relationship with brothers and sisters in Christ that, that can share and, can, and they can confirm the confidence that we are living a life that's pleasing to God. I meet with Pastor Dave every Tuesday and I can affirm to him that he can have confidence that he's living a life that's pleasing to God. Because he is. And I see it. And I experience that. I know that. And so we fellowship every Tuesday morning so I can affirm and confirm well, who shares with you and gets to confront you? If, right? So if I'm confirming Dave, I'm also maybe going to have to confront Dave. So who gets to share with you and confront you if you're not being pleasing to God? What about that? It's the, it's the reason that we're really trying to make this push on, 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 on being in community groups and being in men's groups and women's groups. We need people to share with us and, and confirm that we're being pleasing to God or to confront us that we're not being pleasing to God because you and I are to be pleasing to God. Because <laughs> to please God is what it means to be a Christian. To please God is what it means to be Christ-like. Check out this verse from John chapter 8. I was going to say Matthew just to see if you guys were paying attention. Like, where did that come from? Like, Matthew. I mean, I, I, you know. That's funny. Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. That means when you put me on the cross, right? And I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. 
and he who sent me is with me. And he has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Often? Does he do it often? When? How often does he do it? Always. For I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And as he spoke these things, many came to believe in him. The power of a life that's pleasing to God draws people to God. What a great way to end that text. As he spoke these things, many came to believe in him. Proverbs 16.7 says this, When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Wow. 2 Corinthians 5.9 We also have as our ambition, I've mentioned this before, be ambitious. Are you ambitious? Yes, I'm ambitious. My ambition is whether at home or absent to be pleasing to the Lord God Almighty. I'm an ambitious person. I hope you are too. Do you have it as your ambition? Or is it less than an ambition? Colossians 1.10 He says, So that you will walk in a manner worthy of an Almighty God to please Him in what kind of respects? All respects. Bearing fruit in what? Every good work. And increasing in the knowledge of God that helps us to be pleasing to Him. So, this verse, trying to learn. Trying to learn. I want to show the next slide. I think it's got an ESV next to the NIV. The ESV says, and try to discern what's pleasing. NIV I like better. Find out what pleases God. It's a command. Find out. Keep finding out and keep finding out. The Greek is dokimazo, D-O-K-I-M-A-Z-O. This trying to learn. It's one word in the Greek, dokimazo. It means putting to the test, examining or proving. Look at what Romans 12.2 says. <laughs> Paul says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove, dokimazo, same word, so that your lives prove the will of God. Right? What's God's will? Just look at my life and I'll tell you what God's will is because my life proves the will of God. Can we have that kind of confidence? That's what Paul's saying. That you may prove what the will of God is. Pastor Mark, what's the will of God for your life? My life. As you know it. That's the will of God for my life. I am proving what the will of God is. That which is good and acceptable and perfect. Mm. So Christian, I ask you. Church, I ask you. Our lives should be living proof to those around us. Are they? Our lives should be living proof to those around us that we understand and that we execute those things that are pleasing to God. That's what our life should be. Our lives should be living proof to those around us that we understand and execute those things that are pleasing to our Lord. Many of us, if not all of us, go to work each day knowing or proving 
what it is to please our bosses. We know. And we have no problem with that. Many of us awake each day knowing what it takes to please our spouses. I'm not going to unpack that any further than that. Because my wife's in the back and she'll know if I'm lying. Right? We know. We know how to, what it takes to please our boss. We know what it takes to please our spouses. How unfortunate, however, that many of us are simply unaware of what it takes to please our God. We know how to please our spouse. We know how to please our boss. We know how to please our neighbors. We know how to please our friends. Do you know how to please God? Look, we, we, we have the joy and the privilege of not only being able to know what pleases God, but He has given us the ability to walk as children of light. Because you're no longer in darkness, you are children of light, so walk as children of light. So we get to know what it means to please Him, and He enables us to do exactly that through the power of His Holy Spirit. Amen? Our last stanza, living to provoke. Live to provoke. Live a life in such a way to provoke. Let's read 11 through 14 of Ephesians 5. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead expose them. It's disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light, for everything that becomes visible is light. And for that reason, it says, Awake, sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. What an interesting and amazing challenge or command in verse 11. Don't participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness. Many of us might put a period there. You say, I'm doing great. I'm not participating in the deeds of darkness. But Paul goes on to say, but instead, even expose them. What does that mean? I've mentioned many times, and I probably will mention it many more times, that Scripture is written for the people of God. Scripture is written for the people of God. And far too often we think it's written to the person of God. It's written to the people of God, not the person of God. It's not a personal letter to us. It's to God's people. It's to the church. And we personalize way too much of Scripture. And so if we miss this, it causes failure in the body of Christ to function as the body of Christ. When you read in Scripture what it means to be the body of Christ, it's, it's pretty big stuff. And so if we miss it, it'll cause failure in the body of Christ to function as the body of Christ. And verse 11 helps us to see that truth. That not only we're not to participate and be done, but we're to even expose sin. And this truth began in verse 8. Look how how wonderful this is, how Paul weaves this through. He says in verse 8, Now you are light. No longer darkness, verse 8, you're now light. In the end of verse 8, he says, so walk as children of light. And then in verse 9, it tells us what it means to walk as children of light, that we will be people of goodness and righteousness and truth. Okay, so we're we're, we're light in the Lord. We need to walk as children of light. We know what it means that we're to be good and righteous and truthful. 
And then in verse 10, then we, then we learn, we prove what the will of God is. We learn how to please our God by living righteously. That's verse 10. And then we don't participate in the beginning of verse 11. We don't participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness. And then we're done. Oh, no, no, we're not done. See, that would be wonderful, right? You're no longer in darkness. You're in the light. Walk as children of light. And that means goodness and righteousness and truth. <clears throat> Learn what's pleasing to God. Don't participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness. Okay, now go to bed. No. But instead, also even expose them. Hmm. Let me ask you, <laughs> how many of you like to be provoked? You wake up saying, oh man, I hope I get provoked three times today. That would be just awesome. <coughs> Hey, listen, biblically, we're to be positioned both ways. We're to be positioned both ways. Let me explain. Living in such a way that exposes that we live righteous lives, that we're able to actually speak truth into other people by breathing truth, by breathing light into them. Does that make sense? But we're to live the other way. Humble in such a way to be exposed. We need to live both ways, church. To live up to the standard, to know what pleases God so that we can help breathe truth and expose sin in other people's lives, but also be humble enough that we allow ourselves to be spoken into. Both ways. Hebrews 10.24 says this, Let us consider, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. You know what that word stimulate means in the Greek? Provoke. That was for you, Alvin. Yeah. Provoke. 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 Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. First Timothy 5, verse 20 is a little bit even more pointed. Those who continue in sin rebuke in the presence of all, so that the rest also will be fearful of sinning. Hey man, God takes his sin stuff pretty serious, doesn't he? God takes his church business pretty serious, doesn't he? And he expects us to do the same. So I ask you, on this continuum, being darkness or being in light. If there's a continuum from one extreme that we participate in deeds of darkness, if that's on this end, and in this end is exposing darkness in other people's lives, I wonder where we're at. Are we in the middle? Sometimes we're over here participating, and sometimes we're over here maybe living well well enough to speak truth into other people's lives and trying to expose their sin. Where are we on that continuum? Do we, do we hang out here too much, participating in the deeds of darkness? Are we living life in such a way where people can come to us and we can go to our brothers and sisters in Christ and help them through their sin, through their challenges, to pray with them and enlighten them through God's Word? An author had asked Charles Spurgeon for permission to write his life story. 
And the great preacher replied this way, You may write my life in the skies. I have nothing to hide. Honestly, those words, I'd use those words myself. I got nothing to hide, man. I got nothing to hide. I got no dark secrets. Let me bring this home as we wrap this up and summarize. Verse 8 tells us this. Verse 8 tells us that for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Let's put that last screen up. We are light in the Lord. And so verse 8 tells us that we are to walk as children of light. Verse 10 tells us that we are to learn what is pleasing to our God. Notice how it says walk first. It doesn't say learn first. Right? Does it say learn, then walk? It says walk and learn so that you can expose. We just start walking. Let's start, we start our sanctification process. We walk and the Lord comes alongside us. And we walk and He comes alongside us. And we learn as we go. And then expose <clears throat> the unfruitful deeds of darkness. Is this a good description of of your life in Christ. Is this what you're doing? Is this what I'm doing? Are we walking as children of light? Does that describe you? Are you learning what's pleasing to God? I believe many of you are, if not all of you. And are you putting yourself in a position to help others as you expose their unfruitful deeds of darkness? So this learn in verse 10, this learn as we see there, to learn what is pleasing. It's a present tense verb, church. It's a present tense verb. And what that means is that this process never stops for you. This process never stops. This learning what is pleasing to the Lord (coughs) never stops for you. Which means then that it never stops for the person next to you. So let's be gracious to one another. Okay? Okay? as I believe we already are, let's be gracious to others as we want them to be gracious with us because we're learning what it means to be pleasing to the Lord. And it's ironic to me that part of this learning is this gift of exposing sin in each other's lives as he says to do. In verse 14 reminds us that only through Christ can we become and walk as children of light. That's what verse 14 says. Let's read verse 14. For this reason, it says, Awake, you sleeper. Arise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. And you and I will become children of light. And we're to walk in light. And not in darkness. And learn what pleases Him. And then help expose sin in other people's lives. Let me close with this verse in 1 Peter 3.12. What a great word for us. (laughs) For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous. And His ears attend to our prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who continue in darkness. And so we continue in darkness and we say, Lord, where are You? And He's turned His face against evil. We are to walk as children of light. He's equipped us to do so. 
I'm so happy to be with you guys, I can hardly take it. My throat started giving out towards the end. You can tell when I haven't preached for a couple weeks. It's weird. Thank you so much. Thank you for your prayers. Keep praying. When I'm done praying, if you need prayer with our prayer team, they'll be down here in the, in the corner. Lord, we are so grateful to be here. Father, I pray that we are having encounters with you regularly. I'm grateful for those encounters with you, Lord. Sometimes, Lord, they're uncomfortable, and that's okay, because they're good for me. You're shaping me, and you're molding me. And as my friend Jim Blythe used to say, Lord, sometimes you got your fingers all up in our clay, and we want to trust you. We do trust you with that process. Lord, we are no longer in darkness. We are children of light. By the power of your Holy Spirit, help us to walk as children of light. It's in your mighty name we pray. Amen. Thanks, you guys. Have a great rest of the weekend.